It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's been a week. We are recording on Saturday, April 20th, 420 dudes. And I'm here with Jeff and Tim. Hi. Wow, what an exciting week. But before we get into how the Bruins did this week, we have a couple of other things to talk about, playoff-wise. Holy shit. Tampa and Pittsburgh are out. Yeah, what the fuck, eh? (laughs) Unbelievable. I mean, going into last week when we recorded, we knew that Pittsburgh was down 3-0 to in their series against the Islanders. And... Tampa that night would go on to lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus. And then Tuesday was the pivotal day for both of them. And Pittsburgh got knocked out. But I don't think they got knocked out until after Tampa did. Number one seed. The best team in hockey this season. Swept in four. And did you see that Nationwide Arena tweet before in the morning of the game? Oh, security has asked us to remind you that brooms are not allowed in Nationwide Arena tonight. And I thought, oh, you jinxed it. Oh, no, no sweep now. Holy crap. No, they swept it because Victor Hedman was out for games three and four because he came back from injury way too early. He he looked awful in games one and two, so... Yeah, so I don't blame him going, nah, I'm not good to go. That series wasn't going well. They never led again after the first period of game one. And they're done. They're they're home. Kucherov was suspended for game three, of course, as well. And Strahlman was also out game four. Yeah. So now we have a um, uh, Tampa team that got swept in the first round of the playoffs. Um, is about on July 1st to have massive pay raises for um, uh, Nikita Kucherov and um, uh, Brian McDonough kick in. But it looks like they're going to shed Girardi. Well, yes, Girardi. So, so it should come with the cabinet. Girardi, um, Coburn, and uh, Strawman's contracts are all up. Yep. All right, that right there, Pajars, that's half their defense. Also, Jan Ruda. Who cares about Jan Ruda? Not even Jan Ruda cares about Jan Ruda. What what's the deal with Ryan Callahan? Ryan Callahan has one more year. Oof. <laughs> Do you what buy you that out? What? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely buying out Ryan Callahan or trying to trade him. But to give you some idea, Ryan McDonough um goes from four point seven million to six point seven five million. Which is actually not bad for him. No, that's he just had a Norris worthy season. Like actually that's gonna be that's a really good contract. Mind you he's twenty nine at the moment, so like it's a long contract that will be not so good towards the end of it oh because they got his rights and they extended him for eight years i believe it no only six years but still that'll carry him until he's 36 yeah okay and um nikita kucherov of course goes from 4.766667 to nine million to nine million nine and a half oh god Oof. yeah so he's um uh Doubling, almost slightly less than doubling. But yeah, point is, those two players become very expensive. They have four defensemen who are going UFA, none of whom will be able to resign. Maybe they can convince 32-year-old Strawman to come back cheap, but why would they reapproach Girardi and Coburn? And they have four RFAs. 
one of whom happens to be Braden Point. Oh, yeah. And they, just to give you some idea, are looking, um, okay, it says 6.375 for their cap space, but that's without the cap going up, which is, we're assuming it's going to go up to about 82, so they'll have another $2.5 million on top of that, so $8.8 million to sign, both, which every penny of which will go to Braden Point. So I guess they're not in on the Eric Carlson sweepstakes. With, with what money? As it is, their defense is going to consist of Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Eric Cernak, and then some warm bodies, because that's what they're going to be able to afford. So this was their year to do it, and they didn't. Well, that's just it. Plus, they got like Paquette and Ernie and um, uh, something called a Danic Martell, which sounds like a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> are all our things. <laughs> Uh, by the way, my life now is Game of Thrones, apparently, so if anybody would like to adopt me for the next eight weeks, let me know, because I don't know if I can take constant Game of Thrones in my house. As someone who no longer watches Game of Thrones, give us big stick tap, it's brought me to the books, I can't, the show's unwatchable now, because it's just such a bastardization of the source material. Seriously, um, Benny Offen and Vice, um, uh, Deserve dire retribution for what they did to the character of Sans Baratheon. Anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, to top it off, Tampa Bay also extended John Cooper in March. Fair, but to be, well, I don't know why people were, were talking up Cooper. For, for the fucking Jack Adams, like a literal chimpanzee could have coached that team to a, to a good winning record. Maybe not that winning record, but damn close. <laughs> He's lucky that those votes had to go in before the playoffs started. Well, there's the thing. He had absolutely no answer to John fucking Tortorella, of all people. Oh, I love it. I love that Torts is happy. Ah, oh, it's great. Torts is I, one of my favorites. I don't really like Torts whatsoever, but it is completely embarrassed, Cooper. You say you don't like Torts whatsoever, but his charity work is fantastic. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's, he's like extremely dog guy, which is like all, all, all kinds of streets ahead, sure. But... He's also kind of an ass. <laughs> he is, but he's kind of a funny ass. You know, that, that whole routine that he did that, that time when uh, the phone was up on his podium, when the reporter's phone was on the podium and, and his mom kept calling and he answers the phone and he says, no, I'd much rather be talking to you than your son. <laughs> Tampa players that get more expensive next year, Yanni Gord goes from one million to five point one six 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 million. Oh. Is he really worth that? Probably. He didn't have a, as good a season this year, but last year he was lights out. So yeah, this year he only had forty eight points in eighty games, but like last year he was sixty four and eighty two. Those score the score lines are probably pretty in line with what he's worth. You know what's really funny though is that you said Yanni Gord, and all I could hear was Laurel. <laughs> do you get it <laughs> it was that thing that was all over twitter like a few months ago some people could hear laurel and other people could hear much higher pitch yanni or yanni oh fuck! that was like a year and a half ago wasn't it i don't know i've lost all sense of time because twitter's fucked i also heard both so that's cool i only heard yanni after they isolated the sound i think i only heard yanni you're younger than me 
You guys forgot the most important thing about John Tortorella. Oh. We're talking about him. Okay. He's the main black bear great. <laughs> Which is important considering considering we figured out that Muskie was actually former main senator, Ed Muskie. <laughs> kind of hard-hitting journalism you get here by listening to barely on topic and his his brother jim tortorella also was uh, played at Maine with him and i'm pretty sure he's like an assistant coach for like harvard now his brother but his brother used to be the coach at colby college here in maine and it went, his brother's family went to our church. It all ties together. It does. Of course, uh, John Tortorella is from Concord, Mass, which is four or five exits up the highway for me. And the home of lovely Walden Pond. I absolutely love that John Tortorella won that series. I love the scrappy blue jackets. I think it's great. I like that they that made the playoffs and then swept the first round after pushing all after Jarmo pushed all their chips in. I love it. Yeah, I thought it was great. So happy. My bracket totally fucked. Oh yeah, Same. my bracket's done. Yeah, <laughs> mine's toast. It's it's fine. I've never been happier to have such a toasted, burnt out bracket because Tampa is out. It's like it's like the house falling on the wicked witch of the east because it's not the end. Right. Yes. So, so that yes, perfect analogy. Oh yeah, my my bracket's so fucked too because of course yes, Pittsburgh got swept. Yeah. Incidentally, though, apparently uh, Jim Rutherford was saying like this is the best defense we've had in that time I've been here. I'm like uh, Jimbo, you won two cups, and that was on a defense that didn't involve Jack Johnson or Eric Goodbranson. Mm-hmm. I think you maybe want to maybe want to check your notes there, uh, there Jim Rutherford, because what? Yeah, they've had better defenses. This was terrible. I'd like between that and, of course, last night's other upset. Calgary also got eliminated last night in five games to yep. Colorado. I didn't see that coming. Now, one of the big things here is notice that they've uh, is that it's Grubauer that's been that's been backstopping them through the playoffs, not Varlamov, which makes me happy. I thought Varlamov was like shut down during some point in the season because he was not doing well. He was like injured. I don't know about that. I just know that Grubauer, you know, who they uh, acquired through helping the Caps launder Brooks Orpik, mm-hmm. which that one was pretty fucking blatant considering he went back and re-signed with the Caps. Like, what the fuck? How did the league allow that shit? Uh, yeah. He's getting paid by Colorado and paid by the Caps to play. On a contract, yes. And being paid by Colorado for the buyout of a contract that he'd signed with the Caps. Right. Although right. that's allowed, I don't understand. Uh because everything is corrupt and backwards and awful. But just to, to point out, it's just Grubauer. You were Grubauer. Grubauer. Sorry, he's German. Gotta tell you. Sorry, I just like reflexively, you know, put the emphasis on the second to last syllable, which is what you do in most languages. That's okay. You're in Canada. I understand. <laughs> you do in English. And in Spanish. The only languages that I even have a passing understanding of. <laughs> One of the things I love about German is that there really is no accentation at all. Very rarely do you come across a word, and it's usually a word from some other language. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a dick. I'm a dick. It's okay. Okay, I'm not a dick, but, you know, I'm a jerk. Okay, now, you know, Caroline has ruined that word for me now, too. What am I? Linguistically pedantic? 
<laughs> Fine. I'm lingu linguistically pedantic. There we go. That just rolls off the tongue, too. I can't wait. Next time, next time it happens, you'll be like, hey, you're, you're a pedantic linguist. That, 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 that flows a little bit better. Thank you. All right. I can't wait till you call me that <laughs> again. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so last night, I did not expect uh, Calgary to get swept. Now, that means that two. I don't know. They didn't get swept. They won one game. It was, oh, five, five, it was a 4 1 series. I forgot. It To me, it means just as much. <laughs> Kill McCarr. After UMass lost in the championship, joined Colorado, and in the three games he's played, he has a goal and an assist. Yep. Didn't he win the Hobie Baker, too? He yeah. did. He came with a shitty name as having himself a fucking year. Absolutely. I think he's only 20, so, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he was the, 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 what, third overall pick or whatever the fuck it was in the um, same draft that we got, Erho. Yeah, third or fourth, one of the two. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I understand him just moving on, going there. That's good. So right now, two of the top point getters in the league for the year are knocked out of the playoffs. And the third, because the Bruins also had 107 points on the year, is in danger of that. Yep. But before we talk about that, doing all these teases, Winnipeg is on the verge of being knocked off tonight by St. Louis. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of people that thought that they had an advantage over St. Louis in this series to begin with. Winnipeg's been playing like hot fucking garbage for quite a while now. they got a lot of talent, but they're not a good team. And Hellebuck and Line have both regressed from last year a lot, too. So. Well, there's the thing. It's like they're, they're running into the same problem. They're going into the playoffs with shit goaltending. Cough, cough, San Jose, cough. Um... And it has continued to be shit goaltending. Really hard to overcome. Really hard. And they're hard. probably about to have a rough offseason, too, because um, ever, it's, it's, uh, the, 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 worst, the worst kept secret in hockey is that their relationship, that team's relationship with Jacob Truba is garbage. And so his uh, current cheap RFA deal, like, I think he's like, made, in which he's making five and a half million, expires. He's 25. He's probably being traded. Tyler Myers, their other their other important right-handed defenseman, their right-handed being Buffalo and Turbine Myers, is a, is a pending UFA. Oh yeah, and they have to figure out how exactly they're paying both Patrick Line and Kyle Connor this summer. So it's a bridge over Truba waters over there. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh Tim. <laughs> two minutes in the penalty box see if there's any bleeding is there any bleeding check for bleeding jeff okay no 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 it's only two <laughs> well i was stupid enough to think that winnipeg would would do it i apparently i got it all mixed up see the blue jackets they have all that luck but I thought, you know, because they came into the, the, the playoffs barely getting in, and I thought, well, they're, you know, five games, they're done. Apparently I was wrong. I was just wrong on that, and I got my teams mixed up. That was it. Sure. I hope Panarin and Bob stay in Columbus. That would be cool for them. I think that's a foregone conclusion at this stage. What will be more interesting is whether or not they end up resigning Duchesne. I actually think that might be a more realistic scenario than re-signing either their own UFAs rather than their rental. 
Like, like I don't think cap money is a problem for them with this. It's uh, certain players desire to be in Ohio, which can you blame them? Ryan Dezingle? Maybe Ryan Dezingle. He's just so of so much less consequence than the other three, though. Oh, I know. I was just trying to think of who who wants to stay in Ohio. That's all. Well, like it's been pretty clear. I don't think there's a scenario where they keep Bob Panarin. That's sad to mostly me. Because just... Vince, mostly because Vincent Viola has been quite clear that he's uh, instructed um, uh, Dale Talent to dump to back a dump, dump truck full of cash in front of um, uh, in front of Bobrovsky's house, or I guess. Yeah, they cleared out a lot of space. That's true. Well, Tim, it's okay. We'll be here for you when that does or does not happen. But I think everybody knows that Panarin wants to move on. Just depends on whether or not Panarin liked playing for Quenville or not. Because that's something that happened this week. Quenville definitely is the coach for Florida now. Yep, and uh, that that happened. Yep. And uh, Elaine Vigneault accepted a marriage proposal from Gritty. The question there, the question there is now. I say this is knowing that everyone here is not a big fan of Elaine Vino. Is Gritty a top or a power bottom oh. in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, Gritty really seems like the top, the guy who would be the top. But we all know that the power bottom is the one who has the power. If you know anything about dynamics of BDSM, <laughs> which I do. <laughs> wow, that's maybe too much information. But the, the point of the is this. I don't really want to think about that at all, Jeff. Thank you. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> because let me give you a glimpse of my imagination. I've got Gritty being the top, and he's got all of his clothes on. His hockey pants and everything and, and whatnot. And Elaine Vigneault also has all of his clothes on. He has, oddly enough, some like light gray suit that he's wearing, which I don't think really works with his... his uh, I don't think it works with, with his uh, coaching aesthetic. Or maybe it does. Anyway, they are both fully clothed, but they're going at it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you a lot. You're welcome. I, I just assume uh, um, every every thrust Gritty makes a bicycle horn sound as well. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I need to point out that um, Elaine Vigneault is in a modified doggy style. He has assumed the position, yes. He has assumed the position and he is like bowing down. That was more than anybody wanted to know. Thank you. I have no nothing clever or alarming to say about this, but uh, noted former Doctor Who, Dallas Akins, is going to be the is officially going to be the next head coach for the Ducks. Oh, so it, it's official. They haven't announced it, but it's come out basically like this is happening next week. I'm actually glad he's getting a second chance because I think he made some obvious mistakes with his first time. But Andrew Farron seemed to really dig him as a coach. It's just that he didn't have the room. Well, because he, was, he, he, he took on the thankless task of coaching the Oilers. Yeah. And like, he's not the only guy that clearly has the potential to be a really good coach that went through that wood chipper. The other one, of course, being Ralph Kruger. Who apparently has left his the English Premier League team he was he was working with, and might want to come back to hockey in North America, but not as a coach. So, interesting. Well, I'll point out that Buffalo is the one team that has not yet um, replaced their coach. I know that's sad. Yeah, thing, of course, your favorite person, Tom McClellan, is now the coach of the Kings. Woo! I I I know. First of all, <laughs> about Elaine Vigneault, that was a decision they could make. And that's about what I think about the King's decision. 
That's a decision you can make. And please, for the love of God, get a razor that works. Well, yeah, big thing here, a lot of, it's just the same old shit in a different pile on these coaches. Yeah. It's like a, it's like, it's like a musical chairs, basically. I feel bad for Buffalo. I really do, because I, I don't understand what the problem is. And they're not going to be able to do something like pull a rabbit out of their head, like, you know, getting getting Daryl Sutter to unretire again. Yeah. Someone would have done that by now, I think, if he was going to come out of retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch. I feel bad for them. I do. Because I don't, I don't hate Buffalo. Uh, it's sad. They should have a coach. And the Pagulas apparently like to pay a lot of money, so... Uh, okay, yeah, so I think we hit all of those things. Oh, there's one situation. There's no hire yet, but uh, Glenn Sather is leaving the New York Rangers. What? So they are currently on the market for a new president, president of hockey ops. Basically, Sather's multi-stage retirement is carrying on to full retirement, or actually not full retirement. I think he's still going to be with the Rangers. He's not going to be president of hockey ops, so he's basically retiring to be, be there Harry Sinden. You know, inexplicably uh, still around despite being older than Nosferatu. <laughs> I mean, I think Sinda's title is like advisor to the Jake, to, to to the the to the, the governor or whatever. Yeah, so he's, he's personal advisor to the Jacobses. <laughs> so basically, like Jeremy Jacobs thinks that he's uh he's gonna keep his good friend around and pay him. But I mean, I get that. Sinden's been GM since, you know, the Jacobs has bought the Bruins in the 70s. Or he was, has been with the team since then and was GM for most of that time. Well, I guess they have loyalty. Yeah. What, what can you say? Yeah, so, you know who would be great? Why don't you take Brian Burke off the TV and put him there? Yeah, I'm kind of done with this whole Brian Burke auditioning to be Don Cherry when we don't need, we need the original Don Cherry anymore. It's time to but, move in a different direction. Yep. I mean, people will freak out if you take the man off TV, so just let him keep going until he finishes dying, and then... Because <laughs> he's in the process of dying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, poor Ron McClain will be sad. And I feel for it, I like Ron McClain, but, like... Will he be sad? They're, like, best friends, despite the fact that Ron McClain always looks just so unimaginably frustrated with the nonsense that Grapes just said. <laughs> yeah, or he's trying to mask it. It's 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 funny. He's got, no poker. He's got no poker face, though, so... <laughs> hey, Bobby Orr is good friends with Don Cherry. But Bobby Orr is just a wonderful human being who yeah. likes a lot of people. So that's more Bobby Orr than Don Cherry, I guess. Anyway, one last thing we want to talk about that's going to lead into our Bruins discussion. Notice how we've spent so long not talking about the Bruins. <laughs> Nazem Kadri's suspension came down just prior to game three on Monday. Just prior. Just prior. Uh, and basically, it was one of the suspensions that didn't really give a complete length of time. It basically was just like, until the, the series is done. It's a coward's way out. Yep. Okay, a couple thoughts. That's the first open-ended suspension we've ever seen. Yep. Importantly, it guaranteed there was no scenario. It was a longer suspend. It was a long enough suspension to qualify for appeal. Right. And that was probably the reason for it. But like, here's the deal: Kadri is probably the actual dirtiest player in the league. He is spiteful. 
when he gets upset, he, he does vicious predatory attacks. This is so wholly and profoundly underwhelming as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Because basically what they said was, until the end of the series, they didn't say, oh, it's definitely five games, because if this, this series only went to six, then he wouldn't be suspended for the next round at all in this current suspension, but he would have one game taken away from him from the next series if they if they advance. So they're not doing that. They're just like, nope, everything's fine. Which is so fucked. Like, everyone talks about Tom Wilson, rightfully so. He's a dirty scumbag. But here's the thing is, um, I don't really think Tom Wilson knows he's being dirty. Nazem Kadri knows he's being dirty. Yeah, Tom Wilson's just in his nature. It's instinct. Well, that's just it. He's just, you know, the scorpion. Tom Wilson's the scorpion of the frog. Nazem Kadri is like, is, is something different entirely. Yep. Which means he can change that. Was it fifth or sixth suspension specifically for targeting the head in retaliatory hits? Like this man's a fucking, has, has, a, has, a, has a rap sheet. Like it's one thing to throw reckless hits. He doesn't throw reckless hits. Kadri doesn't throw reckless hits. They're cold, calculated, and, and vengeful. That's so much worse. But yeah. Because you can argue about intent with guys like Tom Wilson. You can't with Kadri. Because it's clearly intention- intentional. And this is... I'm not impressed with this um, uh, with this suspension. Emily Kaplan this week wrote an article about Brad Marchand. Which I would like to get into a little bit more. Maybe in a little while. But basically, they, uh, they asked players around the league about Brad Marchand. And his behaviors on the ice. And uh, is he really a trash talker? Is he really like kind of a, a bad guy on the ice? And, and most players didn't really say anything damning about him. But Kadri had some comments about him. And she couldn't help but draw a parallel. But I don't think he goes out of his way and just starts chirping everybody, Kadri says. I think he is the type of guy that if he's not engaging physically or verbally on the ice, you just want to leave him alone because you don't want to get him too revved up. Kadri made these comments before he was suspended for the rest of the Leafs' first-round series against the Bruins. In many ways, Kadri is trending on the track Marchand was on a few years ago. Kadri must realize he's too talented a player to let his emotions get the best of him, or he can take a page from Marchand's book and find a new outlet to express himself. Although Marchand kept himself uh, out of trouble on the ice, he was stirring up chatter off it. So basically, you know how we've, we've, uh, we've said that we think that Marshy is just channeling this stuff in a different way, and it's been working for him, and it's been great. I mean, he Marshy cleaned himself up a little bit over the course of the year, where Kadri obviously cross-checked Jake DeBrusque in the face in the playoffs. That's uh, bad. It's really bad. So Kadri knows that he can change this. This is something, it's not, it's not like I'm boneheaded and I just, uh, I, I just hit people late or something because that's what I do. It's, I can't help it. Kadri knows that he shouldn't have gone across the ice and cross-checked Jake DeBrusque in the face. He just um, doesn't. Yeah. Well, he's got to care at some point or he's not going to have a career. He's, co- he's a coward. I can't stand him. First of all, he does all this shit on the ice, and then as soon as someone tries to stand up to him, he's the first person like complaining to the ref. And then second of all, they don't even make him available to the media because they just hide him away, and they're like, oh shit, he's probably going to say something stupid, so we're going to hide him. Like, come on. Like, Jake DeBrusque was visibly 
not himself right after that game and still talked to the media, talked about everything. And then Kadri's the one Kadri's just out there sitting, leaving, not being made available to the media. Come on. If you're gonna do something stupid, fucking own up to it. Yep. I can't stand Kadri. I haven't been able to stand him for a very long time. I'm glad he's kicked out of the series. I think the NHL could have done more. He's not worth wasting any more energy on this season. And that's where I'm going to leave that. But do you want to hear some really heartwarming comments that Tori Krug said about Brad Marchand? I do. You do? Okay. It doesn't involve three elf pills, right? It, it doesn't involve... No, 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 no. <laughs> He's an unbelievable dad. He's a great husband, a great teammate, and an awesome friend, says teammate Corey Krug. I think this season he's made a conscious effort to display that side of him. People don't always see that. They just see a pro athlete who has a reputation on the ice. Being his friend, you hate seeing some of the messages and some of the things displayed out there because that's not the whole story. Krug went on. The other part is his natural maturation into a leader in this room. We know the weapon that he is on the ice to win hockey games. He's not doing anything to hurt the team. And that's become something we rely on. We need him to win hockey games so he can't be doing some crazy things on the ice to hurt the team. He's realized that, and he's done a good job growing up. Oh, guys, Tori Krug, they're such good friends. I, ah. I mean, we knew this, but... <laughs> I know. You know it because you know that they're, they're joking around. They both get the joke, and they're having a good time and whatnot. But I also saw a gif of uh, in the last week of... Um, it, I guess it was on Behind the Beat. Marshy was all geared up. Tori Krug was in a suit. Marshy goes up to him to say, you know, just before the game starts, Tori Krug hugs him and gives him a kiss on the helmet. And I'm like, guys, stop it now. <laughs> You're going to make me all girly. But I thought that was really, really sweet. It gave me the feels. It really did. You guys, come on. We're always talking about how players are automatons and stuff like that. And Tori Krogh goes on later on in that article. By the way, this is Emily Kaplan's article on Brad Marchand in, uh, on ESPN. Yes, I know. Whatever. But anyway, you can read it. But he goes on to talk about how we look at them as automatons and, and robots and they actually have personalities. And this was a way for them to demonstrate that. You guys, come on. you got to feel stuff. Why are you being such boys now? It's cool, and I agree. It's awesome that they have a good relationship. This series has taken a lot of the feels right out of me. All right, well, now we're going to talk about it. Boo! Bruins played three games this week. Game three, game four, and game five. Game three and four were in Toronto, and game five was back here in Boston. And how did all of that go? I guess we'll break it down game by game. Game three. Shitty. Uh-huh. Three was way closer on the scoreboard than it actually was. Oh, God. Did we talk about Krejci and Coyle having good series? Because, well, they're the guys who scored in this one. Yep. yep. And Krejci and Coyle are having great series, even in some of the less distinguished games. Yeah, yeah. Game five, we'll get to that. 
The interesting thing about this game was that all the goals were only scored in the second period. Nothing in the first, nothing in the third. It was disappointing. I would say it was a nail-biter. It was not a nail-biter. But basically, Tuka Rask got knocked almost out of the game by fucking Charlie McAvoy again. McAvoy, you've got to stop knocking dudes into, into Rask's head. Please, get a restraining order on Charlie McAvoy. Seriously. Who was it? I think he... Was it Marner or Tavares that he shoved into him? It was one of those guys. One. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, Tuca, of course, it took a while to get him up to figure out what was going on. And all the while, the very classless fans in Toronto kept chanting Tuca because they're shit heels. Basically, Tuca said after the game, he's like, I got a stinger and I couldn't feel anything in my arm. So I had to wait for that to come back. So... We're lucky he finished the game. And played pretty well the rest of the game. He, he did, all things considered. But uh, that was a shitty game. It was, it was bad. You could tell DeBrusque ain't right after that cross-check in game two. Nope. And it's still not right, because like, since game three have not uh, been his best showings. He was on Toucher and Rich uh, yesterday morning. I listened to that, and he sounded good and hopeful and he requested to be on the show because he believes in the toucher and rich bump but i mean he he sounded good he's not really frustrated about the goal he thinks that his goals will come but uh he didn't sound foggy or cloudy or anything like that you know else it's not okay is tory krug yeah what the fuck is going on with tory krug tory krug is emphatically not okay Definitely not. I mean, I remember asking during one of these games if something was going on with Bergie because he seemed like he was just not doing too well. It might have been game four. Which is interesting because game four was like the one game that he's played particularly well. But he didn't play a lot of minutes. He played under 15 minutes in that game. Right. He looked either unwell or gassed, and I couldn't tell which one it was. But, um, yeah, what what do you think's going on with Tori Kirk? He was out for, like, for a game or two at the end of the season with a concussion. I don't think he was ready to come back. Ah, yeah. And then he basically got another one in the playoffs. And Oh, my God, that's right. He got hit in, uh, in that fiasco of a game two. Yep. I just don't think he's... Yeah, yeah, he took that think he's right. Missed the rest of the game, didn't he? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We did not think he was in for game three. Yeah, Krug's not Krug is not okay. Brandon Carlo has been off as well. I think I wonder if that's just because even though he's, you know, established himself as a great defensive defenseman this season, he's only played five games of playoff hockey ever. It's a steep learning curve for any player playing in the in the playoffs. And uh, I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm just saying as I said last week, he's gotta learn quickly. But he's uh there are times where he looks fine. There are not times that I can really point out that he looks as awesome as he looked during the season. And, you know, they almost gave up something last night, I think, because there was a miscommunication between him and Krug when they were passing to each other. So, not good. Yeah, maybe he's suffering from Krug being so visibly out of sorts. Yeah. I because think- definitely something to, to your, having your, your, line, your parent pairing partner out. Look at Matt Grizzlick. Matt Grizzlick's not having a great series. Nope. nope. After having a truly excellent season. You know why? Is there are two defensemen that he, and he, that he has chemistry with. 
they're our two injured defensemen right now. Kevin Miller and Connor Clay. And actually, the first two games, Grizz was having a, had a decent first two games with skating with Clifton. I forgot about Clifton. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, yes, but he has no chemistry. Okay. Well, Steve Camper is just not that good. Neither is John Moore, but also you can watch it. Like Moore and, and Grizz don't have any chemistry. I don't think Moore has chemistry with anyone. Yeah, Moore... Remember how I used to talk about how Joe Morrow had all the tools, but he was carrying them to the to the job site in a ripped Shaw's bag? Yep. Moore has all the tools, possibly better ones than, um, uh, the, 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 definitely better ones than Morrow. That bag has holes in it from the beginning. He's just putting them in the bag, and they're falling out on the floor of the workshop. <laughs> we got four more years of that. Yeah, like, seriously, like, I, I was tentatively like, oh, this John Moore signing's not that bad. It's a little long, but whatever. No, no, it's not. It's a bad signing. I didn't like it from the beginning, but that's okay. Again, I was ready to be accepting. It's like, okay, maybe, but no, no, it's bad. It looks like Kevin Miller's not coming back. Fluto tweeted yesterday morning, apparently he saw him wearing a big honking, like, brace and stuff on his knee. Yeah. In crutches, it's like, they're not saying it, but yeah, he's 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 done, for sure. That sounds like, that, that sounds like he had arthroscopic surgery, and they're not talking about it. It sounds to me that he might have an ACL problem and they they're trying to see if it's just if it's torn or if it's actually just stretched out too much. Um, it, so in other words, if it's a sprain or if it's actually torn and they don't know what to do. Either way, we're not seeing Miller again. If this team goes the distance, I think we're not seeing Miller again. No, no, we, we need to give up on that hope right now. So just don't look at. Kevin Miller coming back this season. That's it sucks. It does I'm because hoping that Connor Clifton can play tomorrow because we John Moore can't be on. It's is just it's funny. John Moore's a weird kind of bad. Like not not a screaming. Oh my god! What is this guy doing on the ice every day? It's more like he's, he's more like Joachim Nordstrom. <laughs> Why exactly are you here? <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I'm not impressed with John Moore. Now, what? Here's a question for you. Because there actually is some chemistry in the McAvoy Grizzlick pairing. They've played together before. Asking Chara to drag to drag a lesser right side defenseman around is what you're thinking here? Or Chara Carlo, because then you have a clearly out of sorts Krug skating with who exactly? Well, I don't know. I'm not even sure I want this as pairings, but I want to see it in game. You know how you know how Cassidy isn't necessarily sticking to strict pairings. He's deploying people at different times. Right. I just, I kind of want to see it in game because I just feel like Charlie gets a little overwhelmed at times and that's how you knock out Tuca. Whereas Grizzlick is very, very collected. I think that's the big thing with his game is that he's so, he's locked in. I think that Chara gives Charlie too much room on the leash. And maybe, maybe the problem is we don't give him a leash. Maybe. I can't help but put it in dog terms. I'm just saying that, you know, Charlie sometimes seems like a, a reactive dog on a leash where it's like he, he does something and it's boneheaded. And I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm just saying he does boneheaded things. And when Charlie McAvoy make, makes boneheaded plays, bad things happen. Okay. I'm yeah. saying maybe he's leash reactive. Let's take him off the leash. Let's put him with somebody else who doesn't have him on a leash and who can kind of be there to clean up a little bit more than maybe Chara. I know that sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but hear me out. Well, well, this is why I think the team's long-term plan is to have a McAvoy-Bakanainen pairing. True, but that's not happening this year. 
I wouldn't bet on it, and I wouldn't bet on it next year either, except in like spot. I expect it, except in spot showings. Yeah. Right. I I'm just saying that you need to change some things up. That's something you can do in the defense. I don't know what you're going to do with Krug because Krug Moore is terrible. Carlo Moore is no, and you can't do Krug Chara because they're both lefties. So likewise, you can't do Krug Grizz. Plus, that's about you know, that's too that's that's too small. I'm just saying, not permanent pairings. I want to just see it on the ice from time to time. That's all. Okay, that's that. I'm not saying make it the thing that happens. I'm just saying let's try it because we got to try some things. And you're going to be using if if I know anything about these playoffs, you're going to be using Chara and um, and Carlo on the penalty kill a lot. So you're going to have to spread out your play in other ways. What about? If Clifton comes back, bump Krug down a line to reduce his his five-on-five minutes further and put Grizz with Carlo. Try it. Sure. Let's see what happens. I would try that. Yeah. They got to do something. I mean... If if Krug is not really well, but he's been deemed ready to play, you got to make some some sacrifices until he's better. Uh, Of course he's going to say he wants to play. And if he can pass all the tests, then he's in. But he, he, you can tell on the ice, and it's not just he's playing badly. He's like he's he's lost out there. Well, there's not much I can do about that. But Bruce Cassidy could if he had another defenseman that he felt confident in. Connor Clifton, please be ready to play tomorrow. Okay, if he's ready to play, that's great. Maybe you can give Krug a night off. Other than that, I'm not sure what else he can really do. Like, there's uh, there's too many key players on this roster that are just doing fuck all. Like, apart from Game 4, Pasternak's just been blah. I think you need to take back the, the idea that uh, that Patrice Bergeron eats John Tavares' lunch. It was... Take it back now, and maybe that will help things. <laughs> we, we saw John Tavares four times this season. And yes, Patrice Bergeron ate his lunch the games that he played against him. What's more concerning to me is he's got a bigger track record of eating Matthew, uh, eating Austin Matthews' lunch. Oh, okay. We'll take that back. Now. Matthews, unfortunately, is having a good series, so here we are. <laughs> take it back. Take it back. I just take it back for the series. Come on, Jeff. We got to make sacrifices. Like hell, this is going to make a fucking difference. Like something's wrong with Berkey. Like let's. It's not fucking. That's not. Let's just not cut. Let's not cut corners here. It's like there's something else up, but I don't know. Whatever. I do think this team is going to win game six and will lose the series. That there's my take. That there's my hot take. I think they win tomorrow and lose in game seven. <sighs> That's brutal. It's more optimistic than me. I think they lose tomorrow. And I'm not watching. I don't, I don't believe this team has enough give up to lose tomorrow. But I also don't think they have enough to, enough to beat this Toronto team the way that things This is what Glenn said to me last night when we watched whatever the fuck that was. Because it wasn't a game. Bruins Network described it as an optional skate. That was a little harsher than I would have used, but anyway. <laughs> I get the point. I get the point. It's fine. This is what Glenn said last night. He's like, I said, they're, they're not aggressive. They're not playing aggressive enough. And he says, he's like, in the next game, because they look bad here, they'll play just well enough so they don't look embarrassed. So basically, he's like, they get beat here. They'll play well enough in the next game that they'll they'll win it just because they got embarrassed in the last game. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think they're going to win the series, though, at this point. 
it would take a lot for them to win a seventh game if they win tomorrow. I don't think this team has the mental toughness to win this series at this point. And that's been a problem all season. This this team is fragile. Like, resilient in, in a lot of ways. Again, like... A team that had the injury troubles they did this year had no business finishing as well, finishing with as high in the standings as they did. I just don't think at this point they have that extra gear. I think I do subscribe to the idea that in the playoffs, because everybody's play gets ramped up, you have to have that extra gear. Tampa didn't have it. Well, there's just a Tampa hasn't played a relevant game since November. I wouldn't say that the Bruins were on autopilot as much as Tampa was in a, in a lot of ways, but I'm just saying. They don't have the extra gear. They didn't have it last year. Last year, it's like they overperformed in the in the regular season. We all got, oh my god, this could be it. And then and then we got like that a little bit this year because they overcame so much. Not to say that not other teams don't have things to overcome. I'm just saying that we looked at it through our own lens. And I I just think that what it comes down to is this: Don Sweeney did not fix three C early enough. Well, it's just if he could have pulled the trigger on that. I mean, well, no, he probably couldn't have pulled that coil trade off earlier because uh, it wasn't until very close to the deadline that Minnesota was clearly going to be out of it, basically when Koivu went down. Yeah, I'm saying in in free agency, he should have had a a good enough idea about what was going on with 3C. They had any number of choices that they thought were going to fill that need. Well, I was just going to say, how could they possibly have not known that None of JFK, Frederick, or Studnicka was going to do. It was going to be able to do it. I mean, I knew I still would have kept Studnicka around and given him a rollout on the on the season opener or two. You know, play under nine games, just see what happens. But um, well, let's just and don't even get me started on how obviously awful this team, this management missed by being high on JFK at all. JFK is not an NHLer, nor is he going to be. No, no, we don't want. We're not doing a deep dive here. I know, I know. My point is, it's like. They led this idea that one of these youngsters would be ready for 3C, and they were so fucking wrong. How could they be that blind? But I'm wondering. But, but, but anyway, here we are. I, I, I did see a tweet. I forgot who it was. Bruin stats, maybe. Or that said, you know, last year this team probably was even with Toronto, but Toronto went out and got an all-world player in Tavares and then got Muzzin. And then the Bruins didn't fix anything, basically. And here we are. Toronto was just gambling on the idea of getting that one big player who could drive the offense a lot more, and they didn't really worry that much about defense. Muzzin, he's making a difference, but realistically, one defensive player on that shitty defense isn't going to help them as much. But the whole team itself is playing really excellent team defense. I still think they get devoured by Columbus next round. Well, I don't want to think about that right now. I want to get I want I want to stay in this this round. Let's talk about game 4, which was in Toronto. And the Bruins won that one because guess what? They got embarrassed the game before. Uh they won 6 to 4, but not before they let the other team back in. So John Moore came back in this game, which means that Camper was out, Clifton was out too. John Moore came back in. We should have been happy about that, but it is what it is. Corelli came back. Not yet. Well, that's the next game. Oh, we're still talking about game four. Okay. We're talking about game four. So we had goals from McAvoy, pack, uh, power play goal, Marshy, pasta and pasta. And I was really hoping for the pasta trick. I really was, but it didn't happen. And then Chara and Nordstrom had an empty netter at the end. 
But Matthews, Austin Matthews had two goals, one power play, one at even strength, somewhere in there. I think it was the second period alone. Because the Bruins took a 2-1 lead into the first intermission. They were 4-2 going into the second intermission. And they won the game 6-4. But had Nordstrom not gotten that empty netter, and had the Bruins not held off Toronto during that really tense, uh, what was it, five or seven minute period in the, seven, uh, the third, it would, it would have been a much different game. Honestly, it was game during, it was game four when I came to the conclusion unambiguously the Bruins aren't winning the series, regardless of the outcome of that game. Wow. We are, we do have a very different tone this week, don't we? Ah. <laughs> uh. No. It's a feeling. It's a feeling, a gut feeling you had. Yeah. Well, I mean, because just it's the deal is like the, the Bruins were under siege that whole game. It's just because they took those, those early, that early scoring leads, the only reason that that game went well. Yeah, because they let them back in. They, Again. Yeah. Um, and that's not how you win games. It isn't. I, I will say, thank. I was so relieved when that empty netter went in because I was like, "They're going to tie this game." And I am not ready, and I am not ready for playoff overtime. No, God, no, no. There's no chance. If that game had gone to overtime, there's no chance they would have won. I'm not even talking. No, about that. it wasn't even. I, I just didn't have it in me to watch playoff overtime. Like it's it's a, it's it's hazardous to your health. You feel like you're going to die of a heart attack the entire way through every time. And I just was not there on Thursday night. <laughs> Whatever fucking night that game was, Wednesday. <laughs> I honestly, because I've been tra- playing, paying such close attention to these games that I, I just, I had such mental fatigue. I seriously would have had to lay down on the couch with a blanket and hope for the best. I would have stayed awake, but I was so fatigued. But I'm glad it wasn't in overtime. I'm glad they won it. Uh, but I was still feeling pretty buoyant after this. I was like, okay, come on, the Bruins, all they need to do is win at home in Game 5, which was last night. Sean Corrali was, like, seeing a hand specialist, and they were like, oh, my God, he's going to come back. My boy is coming back. Oh, my God, it's so exciting. And then the Bruins played the game, and they lost 2-1. to one. They kind of played. I mean, like, so, so let's just start off with, um, we had two full periods of both Rask and Anderson being lights, light the fuck out. Both of them were just aviac. Like, I was feeling like, come the end of the second period, I'm like, oh, good God. This game's going to go into overtime 0-0, zero, zero, isn't it? That. Yeah, I, I was feeling something like that. And I was also like, please, Tuca, do not let something stupid happen. And he didn't. He didn't. He's standing on his head. It's great. I love it. Yep. And something stupid did happen, but not because he allowed it. No. So that first leaf skull. Prefaced what I'm about to say by if someone comes to you and tries to say they know what what, what goaltender interference is, they're a cop. And he's the <laughs> like we're talking we're talking Steve Buscemi with a backwards cap saying, "How do you do, my fellow kids?" That's what they are. But that said, as I did this preface for the purpose of avoiding self incrimination, yeah, that was fucking goaltender interference. How could oh, you? I do believe it was goaltender interference. But let's see what the league said out that, because I wrote that out. Oh, God, here we go. Uh, because, of course, Bruce, Bruce Cassidy, like any reasonable person would do, he challenged the notion that that was a goal, because essentially what happened was Zach Hyman pushing off against another Bruins defensive player. I don't know who it was, but he pushed off and he pushed into Tuca, who had no time to reset after that contact before the Austin Matthews goal went in. 
So that that's essentially what happened. Let's do that again. Zach Hyman was pushing off a player and pushed into Tuca, and Tuca couldn't reset. But here's the explanation from the Situation Room. Ready? At 11.33 of the third period in the Maple Leafs-Bruins game, Boston requested a ch coach's challenge to review whether Toronto's Zach Hyman interfered with Tuka Rask prior to Austin Matthews' goal. After reviewing all available replays and consulting with the referees, the Situation Room confirmed the referee's call on the ice. The decision was made in accordance to Rule 78.7 that states in part, if a review is not conclusive and or there is any doubt whatsoever, any doubt whatsoever is underlined and bolded, by the way, as to whether the call on the ice was correct, the original call on the ice will be confirmed. Therefore, the call on the ice stands, good goal, Toronto Maple Leafs. Since the coach's challenge did not result in the original call being overturned, the Boston Bruins forfeit their time out. Ugh. I don't understand how they looked at that and thought, well, we can't tell. Yeah, that was so fucking unsubtle. And here's the thing. So, so on the NBC broadcast, of course, Brian Boucher, former goaltender and Rhode Islander. Yay! Rhode Islander. Rhode Island forever! I uh, was like, yeah, I just like, I can't imagine how that's not goaltender interference. We had Andrew Raycroft tweet, he can't imagine how that's not goaltender interference. We had Cam Talbot tweet, he can't imagine how that's not goaltender interference. We had Marty Barone tweet, I can't imagine how how, uh, how that's not interference. So that's one current goaltender, three former goaltender now media personalities. The only one we're missing here to really confirm this one is, is Kevin Weeks' feedback, and I don't really care because I don't particularly care for Kevin Weeks as a commentator. So basically... And, like, Marty Barone was calling for, we need to have a freaking goaltender in the freaking situation room. Yeah. Yes. Like, that and would make... Right away, uh, Shannon Sabatos, who also felt this was clearly goaltender interference. And she's a goalie. So, yeah, I would cheerfully volunteer to do this without pay. <laughs> oh, no, no, you pay Shannon. You pay oh, yeah. Shannon. Oh, absolutely, you do. But like, my point is, she said she would do this, like, volunteer for this. It's like... Come the fuck on. Get a goaltender in there. Because that was obviously goaltender interference. And you know what? Okay, fine. You can shake it off as the league just being fucking stupid and no one knowing what goaltender interference is. But an hour and a half later, uh -oh. in the elimination game between Calgary and, and Colorado Avalanche, the exact, almost verbatim the same play happened. Oh, God. Difference there? The call on the ice is goaltender interference. It goes to review. Call on the ice stands. Ugh. All I can say to you for sure is that the guys refing this Boston-Toronto series will not be invited to ref for the rest of the playoffs because that's how it works. They actually, the team, the league actually does like account for ref performance, ref and linesman performance in deciding who gets to carry on. I can't imagine any of these guys, any any of these chuckle fucks are are, are, are going to be refing for any more series. No, they can't. There's no way. I don't understand how this wasn't goaltender interference at all. Like, and the thing that bothers me is it's a zero-zero game. Both goalies are playing out of their mind. Both teams are playing insane defense. Anything can like sway this from one side to the other. And of course, it's a ref show. Like, come on. Like, so you ruined the best game of the series. So, so, so Justin Bourne wrote on The Athletic, I want to say Thursday, stating that he's like, here's the deal with this series. Something stupid's going to decide it. 
Oh, God. How he thought it was going to be something dumb like Patrice Bergeron getting a bad night's sleep before game five or something. He was dead on about something stupid deciding the series. So, like, get, get me wrong. The Bruins had no business winning last night's game. Well, the fact of the matter is, is the bad call by the refs and by the situation from there decided the game. Yeah. Last thing the Bruins needed was help losing that game. Help losing that game. Thanks, NHL. Fuck you. Yeah. And hey, Toronto plan- fans, please tell me again how the refs want Boston to win. Holy shit. Like, yeah, you know, there's the thing. Is that Krejci goal? Yeah, that thing, that things were offsides. That game, that goal probably shouldn't have, should have been waved off. Yeah. But who cares? You had two goals to one at that point. Heck, fucking exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's 19 minutes and 16 seconds elapsed in the third. So that's, uh, what, uh, 44 seconds to go. And you're going to complain about the fact that the Bruins got on the board and did not win they did not come close to winning the Bruins got screwed yesterday but they also screwed themselves so if you play well enough leading up to that point then you don't leave yourself open to be screwed by a ref call so there is that part of it they played like they didn't deserve to win like what you said but at the same time it's just frustrating yeah on a goaltending clinic and goaltending clinic playoff games are fun. These are the games that go to multiple overtimes. Fun in the, you know, miserable while it's happening, but fun after the fact thing. You know, sort of like how there's a direct correlation between how well you remember an event and how miserable you were while it was happening. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, even above and beyond the fucking over the Bruins, the league and the refs ruined what could have been one of those kinds of games. The ones that go to three overtimes. Yep. And what do you think is better for the league? Controversy over a ref call or a three-overtime thriller that ends in one nothing? Now, there's people out there that would say, oh, any game that doesn't end in a way besides one nothing is better, but those people need to be beaten to death with their own severed limbs. <laughs> it's like, fuck, you we're looking at you. Look, soccer is the most popular fucking sport on the planet, and it scores lower than hockey does. Fuck you. <laughs> There's people that needs hockey needs more school and need to be thrown off of a tall building. I think the scoring in hockey right now is fine. Again, I point back to the best hockey game I have ever watched. It was 2011 Eastern Conference Finals. That was a one goal game. It was also a one. It was also a no penalty game. Mm, that's so rare. Well, the Bruins. I don't know what's going on with Bergie. I don't know what's going on with Krug. I can guess going on with pasta the only thing i can think of is that pasta has been enjoying the the checking game a little bit too much and maybe he's knocked himself a little census <laughs> yeah he, i think he got a little too into it in game two yeah he did and he hasn't played well since i mean he did get two goals in what was it game four but you know i i don't know that that was that was a rarity because he hasn't played very well in two other games so I mean, at least this playoffs continues to be part of the Krejci Sans, which has been lovely to watch this season. The Krejci Sans. That's yes. the, the renaissance for Dave Krejci. Fact. Okay. That's um, the new point. No. proving how good an acquisition Charlie Coyle was. He is. I think a full season of Charlie Coyle is going to look great. I'm excited for it. Yep. You know, you know what I realized this week as a hockey fan? I realized that for me to be a better 
judge of what's going on in a hockey game to fully understand what's going on with some players. I need to not have a vested interest in either team. You know what I mean? I need to watch some hockey games where I don't care what the result is. I think that's what's holding me back. Remember how we were talking about last week, how I'm growing as a hockey fan and as a person who said that's not allowed? I'm just telling you that is what I, I find this week. So while I understand Charlie Coyle's game, I don't understand Krejci's or Heinen's games. And Heinen's having a good series, too. And Heinen's a difficult game to understand. It is. It is. And I want to understand other people's games, you know, because, like, so often you'll hear somebody say, this person's having a really great game. And you're just like, okay, I don't understand. So that's where I am at right now. Not that I really want to sit here and watch a lot of other hockey teams and stuff. And I'm saving my playoff stuff for the, the Bruins right now. So... How disappointing has the Marcus Johansson acquisition been? It's not disappointing to me because I didn't expect anything. And I will, and I will say that it's hard to call, I will say it's hard to call it disappointing per se, because I mean, how little has he been even been able to play? And when he has, he's looked decent most of the time. I just don't have time for the fra- fragility. I don't have it. And there's the thing. I think that's two years in a row. This team's made that mistake. Yeah, trading for a very that a very fragile winger. I, it's 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 really upsetting about Rick Nash because it basically it ended his career. Yes, Marcus Johansson's going to go on with another team, and he'll go and disappoint their fans, and and uh, you know he won't be able to play like half the games and whatever. See him in action. And Marcus Johansson's clearly actually. Potentially could have been a really, really exceptional player, but he's just been catastrophic on the injuries on both. And I don't think he deserves the name Mojo because you have to have something to be Mojo. You got to have some Mojo. That's that's my opinion. I, I'm not disappointed. I didn't expect much. I forgot he was on the team. That's not good. <laughs> I do have a question about how exactly is is Babcock getting this good a defensive performance out of the Leafs now when he couldn't do it all season? Oh, fuck if I know. Because he's got the refs on his side. Like, I'm just baffled. That, 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 was just, that, that was just me just being, I don't understand. Extra gear. It's real. So Jeff thinks they're going to win tomorrow and lose on Tuesday. Oh, Tim, what do you think is going to happen? I think they lose tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to be the optimist here. I love playing this role. I think they're going to win tomorrow, and they're going to win on Tuesday. Ha! Like, actually, are you just saying that to be better than us? I have to have hope. <laughs> I Fair have, enough, my answer. Okay. I, I <laughs> have to have hope. I, I have to... I don't want to count them out. I'm emotionally invested in this. Yeah, I did want to say, I wanted to talk about our mental health about this. I don't think it's too good to be emotionally invested in teams... To the point where it's like, you know, you're so distraught and devastated after they lose. I, I don't think I'll be there. Well, I mean, that, that's where you run into the risk of substituting a per, sports fandom for having a personality if you're if you get that invested. It's that, it's that kind of person. Right, right, right. I'll be sad because it's kind of like, oh, the hockey season's over and, you know, the things that come with that are over and... And so on and so forth. And I'll also be kind of happy, too, because it's like, oh, well, I'm not tied to the TV like two or three nights a week. 
which is great because then I can do other things. So I, I feel like my mental health is like the best it's ever been at this time of year. I am hopeful. I have to have hope. I want the Bruins to succeed. So I'm going to say, yes, they're going to win tomorrow and they're going to pull out a miracle on Tuesday. And I, it's, I'm saying it because I have to. So I just want to make sure that everybody's mental health is okay. Our fans, I want to make sure, or listeners, or whatever you want to call yourself, I want to make sure you're okay. Everything is going to be fine, regardless of what happens to the Bruins. We'll be sad. Things will change. So on and so forth. I mean, Jeff says no more Achari, and I'm going to be devastated about that. But life goes on. And there's I- one place to be optimistic. Right now, both teams' goal differential in the series is zero. Good. Cumulatively, both teams have scored 14 goals in five games. All right. The um, Leafs have just had a more efficient distribution thereof. Yeah, unfortunately. I think I'm not watching tomorrow for sure. And I think part of that is, I think, as with a lot of people, they use sports to kind of, um, kind of just break away from what's going on in life and stuff like that. And when that's not going how you want it, I think you kind of have to be like, all right, I'm kind of preparing myself for the end of the season at this point. Losing game five was basically the season's over and look towards next year, basically. Okay. All right. That's, that's, you know, everybody has to do it their own way. That's all. So hopefully everybody's doing really well with this potential disaster that's on the horizon. I do want to take a couple of minutes to say a couple of other things. Let's just check into our brackets. Oh, yes. Let's see. Uh, okay. I do know that in our bracket, there's an awful lot of participants that called for the Bruins to win the Cup, so this is going swimmingly for everyone, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure I had a Bruins-Flames final, so I'm doing awesome. Well, I'm just going to go with uh, who's got the most <laughs> points so far. So we had 18 brackets, and so far, let's see, Bears Eat Fire has 20, but they also have the Bruins as the Stanley Cup champion, so okay. Phony Mahoney, good old phony, she's got uh, 20. She also has the Bruins winning. Dougie Hamilton rules, I love that one, 10. Also, He Who Are My, uh, Who Are Is Myself, which I think might be my husband, I'm not sure, 10. JCA underscore NS65N10, Duck on a Pup 10, Ryan point two ten, Save Your Coil 10, Andrew point one ten, Kate 310, Mark Allred 10, Nick Bagel Bruin Daggio, yeah, we know Nick 10, Unhinged Bracket 10, Brando Carl Rissian is playing in the playoffs, that's mine, it's 10, and then we have Poser Poser, Robert point two seven. Wow, Robert did 27 brackets. Good for you, Robert. <laughs> Heartbreak Diagram version 2.0 and Jeff point one. All zero. That's okay. Because a lot of us can't get any more than... Well, I mean, Phony could get like 360 points. Possibly. I, I apparently have 365 points still on the table. Yeah. Somehow. You- yeah, you do. And, you know, your Golden Knights are still in it. So there you go. Carolina is looking like they're about to make it. They're making it a series against the Caps. You know, I wouldn't mind if Carolina beat them in some respects, but I can't stand Carolina. A Carolina 
uh, Columbus uh, Eastern Conference final be um, uh, exactly what one expected or wanted. It would be hilarious. I would love it. Sure. An all but... wild card. An all wild card. East ECF. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's do it. Assuming the Bruins don't advance, in which case I still want them. But yes. <laughs> So we, we got a new listener this week who uh, responded to um, something I had said on last week's podcast. Uh, it's uh, from at Boston Bruins TID. First time listening. Open the pod with a rant about Voinov. Instant subscribe. In all in. Rest of the show was like listening to my own thoughts during this series. Don't know how I've remained ignorant of your show this whole time, but here I'm here for it now. Hashtag let's go Bruins and bear face and uh we also heard from mark all red yeah he agreed with your voinoff at va from ri spot on with the piece of crap voinoff brand on the latest episode of barely on topic pod hashtag nhl hashtag bruins fam well thank you for our new listeners and thank you mark for agreeing with us uh, turns out uh, ragging on uh, slav voinoff from uh Popular position. Who to thunk it? <laughs> right, everyone. <laughs> I mean, except for the NHL. Join us next season when we. Oh, that's all we do every episode. No, just kidding. <laughs> it had to be I said. Mean, if he gets back in the league, not next season, but the season after, because um, that's what the league's uh, seeming is trending towards being inclined to allow. Um, then maybe we would just have to change this to a slagging on Slava going off podcast. Slagging on Slava. There we go. Sounds great. Yeah, okay, so those are my two things. We should probably, well, our schedule that we know of. is um, uh, tomorrow, that's uh, April 21st, Easter Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time at uh, Scotiabank Center in Toronto. Damn, you gave the real name. I actually remembered it, that's why. Arrgh. And, um, well, depending on the outcome of that, there could be a Game 7 at a time to be determined at the TD Garden on Tuesday, April 23rd. That's we great. will see. Yep. Um, regardless, we will have a podcast episode next week. We will. Hopefully it won't be wrapping up the playoffs in the season. I say let's go Bruins. But, you know, if it is, it is. The fucking way she goes. Yep. It's a decision the Bruins can make. Yeah. All right. We might as well talk about how you can find us. Okay, so uh, listeners, you've been listening fairly on top. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you like us, rate us some stars, write a review, tell all your friends. Thank you very much if you do so. Um, you can talk to us uh, on uh, on Twitter, at Barely on Topic, or on Facebook, at Barely on Topic Podcast. Or, of course, our individual Twitters, if you have some sort of, you know... Inclination towards self-harm. I, of course, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. I'm at Help Us, Obi Sean Corelli. You're our only hope. A.K.A. And uh, Tim, can you can you can you muster muster a word for us or word?